We are so glad that you're joining us today. We're going to start with a question. We're going to start the message with a question. The question is, what are some things that you find hard to understand? What are some things that you find hard to understand? The reality is there's a variety of things that I struggle to understand that, that Sam struggles to understand. I'll give you a few examples of things that, that, that are hard for me to comprehend. Uh, you see, the, the Vikings have had some pretty great teams over the years. We've had some pretty incredible teams. And one of the things I can't understand is how have we not won a single Super Bowl? And while we're talking football, how is it that people can cheer for the Green Bay Packers? There, there's another thing I struggle to understand. Or, or let's jump sports. I, I'm struggling to understand what the rules are in the NBA anymore. Are there even any rules? I, I cannot figure out what constitutes a travel or what constitutes a carry anymore. At this point, I, I just don't understand that. Or let's get away from sports. I struggle to understand how people can spend hours on the internet watching pimple-popping videos. Who does that? I don't get it. I don't get it. And this will probably show my age a little bit, but, but I don't understand why some of the TikTok videos are even funny. I, I honestly, <laughs> I just don't get it. Oh, here's another one. Reality television. I honestly didn't get the idea of reality television when MTV debuted the real world back in like the 90s. And I certainly don't understand all the dating shows or other reality TV shows that we have right now. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And of course, there's some other things which, which are much more important than what I've mentioned that are hard to understand. But we're not going to cover all of those today. We will cover one of them, but let's pray and uh, we'll explore it today. God in heaven, we're so thankful for the opportunity to gather and to worship. We're thankful for who you are and that you have given us your word. God, I pray that it would be your spirit that would be speaking, that it would not be my words. God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would block people's ears from hearing what you don't want them to hear, and that they would only hear what you desire to say to them. It's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of the questions that, that people have been asking for many years is how do we exist? Told you there was going to be some hard questions that we could tackle, and, and this is one of them. How do we exist? As people, how did we get here, and who created the universe? Now, around Jesus' times, the, the Greek people were trying to understand what controlled the universe? What held it in place? What allowed life to continue? And one of the answers to that question they attributed to Logos. Now, Logos was a theoretical power which held all life together. The Jews saw Logos differently. For Jews, Logos was a word of the Lord. It was an expression of God's power and of God's wisdom. It is often tied back to creation, actually. Logos was, was God's powerful extension of himself. And it was how he created the world, how he spoke the world into existence. 
Many of you have heard how the Bible begins, the, the start of things back in Genesis. But in case you haven't, let's go back there. And we're going to look at a few verses. We're going to look at Genesis 1, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we'll read just through verse 3. But before we read it, I want to ask, did you know that baseball is mentioned in the Bible? It's true. The Bible starts out in the big inning. And then Eve stole first, Adam stole second, Cain struck Abel. Anyway, sorry, terrible joke. Actually, it's a, a really bad joke. I grew up with a lot of these terrible jokes. My family, we called them pickered humor. My dad actually loved to tell them. My uncles loved to tell them. They find them hilarious. And uh, yeah, they're terrible. I'll give you one more, though, just for, just for the fun of it. Um, who is the shortest person in the Bible? Who's the shortest person in the Bible? There's some debate. Some say it's Nehemiah, but it's really Bildad the shoe height. I know, terrible. We, we should have Keith Michael doing some drum roll or some, some whatever with the symbols. But anyway... You see what I'm saying? Bad jokes, terrible jokes. These are what I had to endure growing up. So, so you've got some perspective on why I am the way I am. Anyway, back to Genesis and back to Logos. Let's go. Genesis 3, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The, the power of God, the power of God that we see in Genesis 1, that spoke the world into existence, that was what the Jews knew as Logos. John references Logos as he starts out his writing in the book of John. And I'm talking the actual gospel of John not 1st John, 2nd John, or 3rd John, but the actual Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And in the book of John, he says, in John verse, chapter 1, verse 1, he starts out saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have received grace in place of the grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. We see Jesus there tied into the word. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. John is taking this idea, this concept that would have been familiar to both Jews and to the Greeks, and he's saying that this power that the Greeks believe allowed the world to exist and not just exist, but exist in a way that, that functioned together and made sense. So, so that power that the Greeks knew, and 
the expression of God's creative power, which the Jews knew, and Jesus, all three of these, they're all the same. They're all the same. The power that the Greek people thought held the world together and God's creative powers and wisdom, they were Jesus. John has taken these abstract concepts, these, these ideas, which people couldn't fully comprehend, which they couldn't fully understand, and he has put flesh on them. Literally. He, he's telling them that this logos that, that both groups are familiar with, that both groups know of, that logos is, in fact, Jesus. He uses a concept that they already understood to present to them the good news, the hope of the gospel, to present to them Jesus. When was the last time you took time to tell somebody about Jesus? And when you did that, how did you do it? Or maybe, maybe the, the reality is you're like many Christians, and so you're not alone in this if this is you, and you don't understand how to share the gospel with people. You don't, you don't understand how to share with others around you the good news that God himself came to earth in an effort to provide salvation so that people could have a relationship with him. Maybe you're struggling with how to do that. So, so let me just ask, what if you were to do it the way John did? Rather than giving some big, supernatural, super spiritual thing, what if you took an idea or concept that people were familiar with, or people were trying to figure out, and offered Jesus as the one who fulfills it? Now, I'm not just saying throw Jesus out to, in just random ways and give him credit for things that aren't his. That's not what I mean. Uh, and if you're a philosophical person and, and don't have philosophical friends who, who will deal with the abstract, you're probably not looking at concepts like logos that you can use and, and all. But go with me on this. You see, John took a familiar concept that people were familiar with and used that as a way to present the gospel, the good news. Maybe we need to consider the practicality of who Jesus is. I love the words of the blind man in the New Testament when, when he's healed by Jesus. And then he gets questioned. And he says, I don't really know if this is Jesus, uh, this Jesus who healed me. I don't know if he's the Messiah or not. But here's what I do know. I know that I was blind and now I see. And similarly, the woman at the well, she, does, she doesn't say, hey, guess what? I met the Messiah. She says, hey, come meet this person. They know all about me. In this last year, at some point, I don't remember exactly when, I was listening to a, a podcast on a guy who talks about the extraterrestrial. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really get into the aliens, Area 51, Martians, or, or any of that. It's just not my thing. But this guy was all up in it. And he was actually one of the experts on the supernatural, and he's involved in conferences all around the country and podcasts and all sorts of things. Why I was interested in hearing him is because he had studied the Bible and he knew it very well. And what he realized is that 
people's belief that there was something else out there, something else that was out there in the universe somewhere, he saw that as a way to talk about spiritual things. And he was able to talk about angels, demons, and of course, God. What an innovative way to connect people with the gospel. Now, I'm not saying you're going to talk about aliens, but I'm telling you, look for an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus in a relatable way to people around you. It may simply be talking about what he's done in your life or at a time when people are hurting and offering a relationship with him as a way to find comfort. Maybe you can share how he's provided comfort to you. This is the good news. This is the good news. If it applies to real people living real lives, it seems that we should share it in a way that they can understand. So be careful to avoid overly churchy speech. And in all of it, trust the Holy Spirit to use your words. After all, it is, it's him that actually works in people's lives. He simply allows us to be a part of what he is doing. And how great is that? He allows you and me to be part of what he is doing. Last week, last week we talked uh, about 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. And there was a number of places in that passage where Peter references other parts of Scripture, other parts of the Bible. John does it too in this passage that we read this morning, and he does it a little less directly with, with that, that pointing to a similarity and kind of a tie-in with Genesis 1, the passage we read, all early, read earlier. Both actually start out with, in the beginning. And then in Genesis, we see the word of God in English translation. We, we see in John, the word, whom John goes on to say is, in fact, God. So Genesis says God, and it says the, the, or the word of God, and then word in John. There is importance in being in your Bible. It is God's word. It's one of the most definitive ways that he speaks to us and he teaches us. And when we read our Bible regularly, it can be challenging. It really can be. Uh, what I mean is taking time to read your Bible regularly can be hard to do. These past couple weeks, I, I've been paying more attention to that challenge. I realize that my life is busy, and that didn't happen on accident. I have intentionally kept a pretty full load. I have a lot that I want to get done in my life, and, and I don't want to, uh, to waste time. I, I want to get things done. And those things that I want to get done don't happen by me sitting on the couch and watching TikTok or Netflix. I, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to hang out with my, my friends and with other people. I want to build a business. I want to help people. I want to encourage people to accomplish everything that God has for their lives. I have so much that I want to do. So as a result, I live a really busy life similar to what many of you have as well. So how do you find 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour, or whatever amount of time to be in your Bible studying and learning? Some people may tell you to simply make time. But I've been challenged that, that while we can make more money, we can't make more time. Time is finite. There's a limited amount of it. I can't earn more of it. 
I can earn more money, but I can't earn more time. And however much of it we have, it will get used. Have you ever come to the end of a day with an hour that you've decided to carry over to the next day or to the next week? Of course not. Of course not. There's 24 hours in a day, and you can't make a day 23 hours long just so that you can make another day 25 hours long. It does not work that way. Whatever time is in a day will get filled. However much of it exists, you and I need to intentionally set aside some of that time in our lives to be in our Bibles. Everything is so intertwined. It's all connected in Scripture. And we can miss out on some of the meaning. meaning. We can miss out on some of the tie-ins if we don't look at it as a whole. When we see the Bible as a whole, when we see the, 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 the whole picture, we can read John chapter 1 and realize that Jesus didn't begin at conception with the Holy Spirit and with Mary. And there's a chance that some of you may have thought that. Maybe not now, but maybe in the past. And if so, don't be embarrassed. It's an easy mistake to make for a number of reasons. All right, let's go back to the text. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. John tells us that the Word and he's referring to Jesus, which we, we see later on in our reading, the Word was around at the beginning. And he tells us that through the Word, through Jesus, all things were made. Now let's go back. Let's go back to Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you see the similarities? Do you see the connection? It's all intertwined and connected throughout Scripture. So when we read our Bibles, it helps us see a complete picture. If you've never read the Bible cover to cover, beginning to end, I'm challenging you to do that. Add it to your, to your list of things you're going to do. It's not going to happen on accident. Like, like any goal, you will need to be intentional. And I'm not saying... That, that you have to do it this next year. You can take a period of, you know, plan two, three years. Maybe you're just going to set aside a certain amount of time in a day to read, and, and you're going to start at Genesis and read all the way through to Revelation. I can tell you that's kind of a hard way to do it, but it's possible, and many people have done it, myself included. Maybe you're going to pick a plan that allows you to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe, maybe you are, are going to read a paper Bible, or maybe you're going to take advantage of an audio Bible and have the Bible read to you. Let me ask, how many of you, how many of you have read through the entire Bible? Let's see hands. And don't worry, don't worry, we're, we're not going to think any less of you. We're not going to judge you if you haven't. In fact, just to be, to, you can put your hands down, just, just to, to let you know, I've actually met a pastor um, who I, I know hadn't read all of the Bible themselves. So, so you're not alone. But one way or another, I'd encourage you, read through the entire Bible because it's all going to fit together. You're going to see places where it all ties together, and you're going to understand it better if you know it all. 
And as I'm challenging you to read your Bible, let me be very clear. The goal of reading the Bible is not to increase the amount of information we know. It's to connect with God himself and allow him to transform us through his word. That's the idea. Tyler said it this way a a couple weeks ago. He says, we need to read the Bible for transformation, not solely for information. I'll say that again. We need to read the Bible for transformation, not solely for information. So with that in mind, how does the reality that Jesus existed with God and is God all the way back in Genesis and actually even before time began, how does that impact my life? Why does this even matter? So I'll offer you several ways. First, the realization that God, or that Jesus is God, brings value and validation to Jesus' teaching. If Jesus is God, then, then his teaching is truth, and as truth, it deserves to be applied to my life. If he is God, then his promises are guaranteed. I, I can trust them. Now, that may have been a given for you. You may say, oh, I already know that. So, so let's tackle another thing. Let's tackle another thing. Let's look at pride. Pride is when I think of myself more and others less. Things are all about me. Things are all about Sam. Things are all about whomever you are when it's you. And if you are a woe is me person, you need to realize that that is a pride issue as well. It's about how I have less money or I have less power or I have less status than other people. Woe is me. It's about how I don't have as many friends as other people. It's about how I'm not as physically capable as other people. It all focuses on me. It's all navel-gazing. Now, when I'm focused on all that I don't have compared to what others do have, I am focused on me, and that is pride. That is pride. Of course, we know the other sort of pride. The, the opposite of the woe is me person is the person who is all about how good they are and how, how much they have and, and how smart I am or how everybody should be like me because I've got it all figured out. I've got it all together. We all know that type of pride where, where it's the, the my ideas are all the right ones. If you had a brain, you'd realize that. You'd realize how good I am. This, this pride... This pride, as we're talking about it, is an unhealthy view of ourselves in relationship to other people. And as I consider the fact that Jesus existed outside of time, and Jesus created all that is created, we have to realize that there is no one who would have more reason to be prideful and arrogant and self-focused than Jesus himself. If any of us could be prideful, it would be Jesus. If your pride comes from your physical skills or abilities or looks, those are going to fade away. Now, we're blessed in today's day with some amazing health and fitness resources. Medicine is more advanced than ever. There are health resources that are part of watches. I've got a a smart watch, and, and there's health resources right on our wrist. There are surgeries that can make you look better and injections that can make things, make wrinkles go away. But no one has figured out how to stop the effects of time entirely. People still get old. People still die. Jesus exists outside the impacts of time. 
If your pride comes from power, Jesus has all of the angels at his disposal. Talk about power. If your pride comes from some business, organization, or invention you have created, Jesus created the entire freaking universe. Do you see this? Jesus has every reason to have this attitude of arrogance. But everything that we see of him, everything we see from him in the New Testament tells a story of a humble man who served the people around him. He had every reason to, to demand that people serve him. And instead, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, they all tell us that he did not come to be served, but to serve. How are you doing at living a life of service? Are you making time to lovingly serve others around you? The realization of who Jesus is and, and all he's done should motivate us to set aside our pride and love the people around us. I, I'm absolutely convinced that you're an incredible person. And none of this, let me, let me come across as minimizing you. I, I believe you are an incredible person. You can do and probably have done or possibly have done some incredible things. In no way do I want to minimize who you are. You have incredible worth. You have incredible value. But you did not create yourself. God created human life. You would not be here if it was not for God, if it was not for Jesus. God has given you what you have to use for his glory, to use for his purposes. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that whatever we do, it should be for him. Whatever we do should be done for the Lord, for God. And we do when we do things to the best of our ability, when we actually do that, when we serve others for him, that's worship. When we use our abilities for construction work or some other trade, it can be worship. When, when we're in any job that we're in, regardless of the job that you do, maybe it's a stay-at-home parent, maybe it's off in a school, maybe it's who knows what. If you use those skills to bring honor and glory to God, if you use those experiences and, and gifts that God's given you to bring honor and glory to him, that is worship. When you are being a good friend to someone, that is worship. Or it can be if you're doing it for God. When you're doing a project around the house and doing it in a way that honors God, it's worship. Now back to the daily grind of our jobs, there are some of you who are likely living your lives to get to the weekend. You want to get through those days in the middle of the weeks and get through those days at your J-O-B so you can get to the fun part of the week. That's when you live, not when you're at your J-O-B. I'm just going to say, that doesn't sound like an attitude of worship to me. That doesn't sound like you're doing it for the Lord. It sounds like you're doing it just to get through it with probably a bad attitude. And Jesus deserves having us do everything for him because without him, we do not even exist. As we go through even the mundane parts of each day, we need to live in reverence and respect for God who has allowed us to have the breath that we have even in our lungs. 
the life that we have, the beating in our heart, we have because of him and because he gave, us, gave it to us. Here's my main point for the day. The realization of who Jesus is should cause us to live our lives in an attitude of worship towards him. That's the point for the day, the main point for the day. As we wrap up, you may be thinking this talk of Jesus being God and existing before time and, and creating the world, it's a lot to take in. And if you're thinking this, I completely agree. It's a lot to wrap your head around. So let me ask, would you rather follow a God you can understand? One who, who you can, can completely wrap your head around? A God that fits within the finite constructions of your mind? Would you want to worship a God like that? Or would you want to follow a God who is bigger than you can fathom? A God who can see solutions to your problems when it seems to you there are none. A God who exists outside of time and is making a way forward when you just are not seeing how you're going to get through the day. I know I want a God who I can follow who is bigger than my imagination. I want to follow a God who exists above it all and a God who is working all things for good. I want to follow a God who created me with, with purpose because the other option is that I just happened. And if I just happened, then life is pretty meaningless. We go through life, however long it might be, and then we die and it's over. That sounds really meaningless. Creator God is bigger than you and I can even comprehend. He created us on purpose and for a purpose. And despite the fact that he is God, he wants to have a personal relationship with you and with me. Now the reality is, he exists outside of what we can completely comprehend. So it takes faith to believe Jesus who has always existed, came to earth, lived a perfect life in human form so that he could die and take on the consequences of our sin, it takes a huge amount of faith to believe that. <coughs> now, if you are trying to wrap your head around it, I'd love to walk with you on this journey. We at the Rescue Church would love to walk with you on this journey. We who are a part of the Rescue Church, we are the church, and we would love to join you on this Reach out today if there's any way that we can be of help on your journey. TheRescueChurch.com slash connect is a great way to do it. TheRescueChurch.com slash connect or just reach out to me directly. I'm on social media. Email sam at TheRescueChurch.com. Let's pray. Let's wrap up and uh, live a life of worship this week. God in heaven, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for you. We don't understand how God can exist in three parts. We don't understand how you can exist outside of time. We don't even understand how you created the universe. It, does, it doesn't make sense to us. In fact, we argue and debate about it. But God, we, uh, we're thankful for you as a bigger God than we can even 
begin to imagine. And so, God, we ask that this week, I ask that this week, that myself and all those joining us, that you would help us to live lives with an attitude of worship because of who you are. And as we live those lives, God, I pray that we would live lives that point people towards you, that we would be intentional about seeing opportunities of sharing you in a loving and practical way and what it means to have a relationship with you. I ask, God, that you would help us to, to be in your word, to be intentional about setting aside time to connect with you. It's so hard. We get so busy. Help us to know you more this week. God, if there's people connecting with us today who do not have a personal relationship with you, if there's people connecting with us today that are struggling with the, the, even wrapping their head around the idea that there is a God who exists that cares even about the little details in their lives, God, my prayer is that you would be working in their lives. Holy Spirit, that you would connect with them today and that they would reach out to someone, whether it's me someone else with the rescue church, someone else who's a part of the rescue church, or, or another pastor or another Christian friend somewhere. And that through those connections, they would see you. And that they would come to know you. Holy Spirit, work in their lives, we pray. Work in my life, work in our lives, God. Help us to live a life of worship as we go from here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com or email us at office at therescuechurch.com.